And welcome back to the DigiGods Podcast. Wade Major here again with Tim Cogshell sitting in for Mark. Second week in a row. Uh, so uh, Mark will be back next week. And then uh, the week after that, we will have our big holiday gift guide, which, of course, is uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and Black Friday. A lot of great stuff. Uh, it's going to be fun this year. Really, uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're trying to load it up. We kind of raised the bar a little too far last year. It was an epic show with far too many interviews, but... Uh, yeah, you know, we'll 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 mix it up. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping off the top. We we still need intros for the uh, the next phase of the show. We want new intros. So please, by all means, send us uh, your suggestions for intros to gods at digigods.com. Always looking for a vox box or two. So uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, email them to us at gods at digigods.com or just record yourself asking the question. Send us the audio file. We'll pop it into the show, gods at digigods.com. And uh, remember also that all the shows, all the titles that we talk about on each show uh, are hyperlinked to Amazon or to other, if they're not Amazon available, they are available elsewhere, sometimes on proprietary sites. So just go to uh, digigods.com digigods.com and uh, you will find the complete rundown of all the titles we talk about with those hyperlinks to where you can find them on Amazon or elsewhere so uh, if you miss something or whatever you don't need to go back just go to the uh, just go to the site digigods.com and we are of course uh, still uh, still working just been under the gun with a lot of a uh, lot of things to do but we are still uh, working on getting our uh, Cinegods site launched which will be the future home of digigods as well as uh, a lot of other Fun stuff, and Tim, you will be part of City Gods yes, as well. Yes, yes, yes. Can't can't wait to get involved. In that. Talk about you know a whole lot of things. Actually. A lot of things. Yeah, we're gonna have recipes there too. Mark will have a, a home for all of his uh, his horrible recipes that he's using to turn me into uh, some kind of a sugar addict. Uh, anyway, as a matter of housekeeping, so um, uh, we're we're starting to collect a lot of screeners for our LAFCA voting. Yes. And have you watched any of them yet? Well, you know, at the moment, I'm I'm, I'm getting the screeners for movies that I've seen already. <laughs> so so I I haven't bothered to watch a whole lot of them it's not like the dvds that we that we get here but you know in, in, the, in the coming weeks they'll be popping up yeah well, and, 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 and straight out of compton i missed so i gotta watch that well, i saw straight out of compton when it came out i think it was one of the ones we talked about Is that gonna be in the running for anything you know, probably not. You know, for a while there, we thought there might be one or two Slovakian nominated. O'Shea Jackson, the young yeah. man who plays, who plays uh, Ice Cube's son, who is Ice Cube, who plays Ice Cube, who is Ice Cube's yeah. son. Uh, great performance, but I, but I, at this point, I don't think it's going to be. It's going to pull off a sort of. Anything? Have you That's watched anything in that Sony Classics batch? There's just a, a ton of Sony Classics titles that came in, and I haven't even glanced at any of them yet. Well, a lot of those were uh, you know, Diary of a, of a Teenage Girl, and you know, a yeah. few of those I, I had seen as the year went by. Uh, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of interesting movies. But i got to tell you, I, I haven't seen a lot of Oscar bait at all yet. Have year. you seen Carol? Uh, I haven't seen Carol yet. Saw Truth. Wait till you see Carol. Really? Wait till you see Carol, the okay. Todd Haynes film. Yeah. It will blow you away. Okay. It's really, it's astonishing. It, it may, it's, it, I, obviously, I, you know, you have to put Emmanuel uh, at the at top of, with uh, The Revenant for another yeah. cinematography Oscar. I mean, yeah. he could win three in a row, which yeah. is unprecedented. But uh, it is a gorgeous looking movie. It is a gorgeous looking movie. It's really impressive. Can't wait to see yeah, that one. It's really good. Well, let's uh, let's dive into some stuff here. You know what? I'm gonna Tim. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I did last week. I'm gonna burn through some stuff that nobody wants to hear about. Uh, Mark <laughs> that Mark never lets me talk about. But uh, I got a ton of British television here. And, His thighs uh, are probably itching right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, he can he can suck it. Um, oh, let's pull it all up here. Uh, I'll just go through here because there's. <coughs> oh, there we go. There we yeah. Go. 
That's what British television does to me. Anyway, uh, a lot of great stuff here from BBC and PBS and Acorn. So uh, some really fun series. And, you know, all comedy and whodunit stuff mostly. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, you would think that after like 65, 70 years of, of whodunits and procedurals that... That that small island would have gotten sick of that stuff, but yet they just continued. There's like an affection for it, going all the way back to Conan Doyle, I guess. Yeah, you, you have your Perot, you have your Marple, you have, I mean, you know, it's, yes. It's you know. crazy. Yeah, sort of reconfigurations, but nevertheless, they were all this. Well, here's one of them. Uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, Series 3 on DVD and on Blu-ray. Uh, you know, this is kind of, it. it let's say, if, um, if uh, Miss Marple were... If Miss Marple were a um, a young hot Australian, that's what she would be. And of course, this is this is an Australian show, but we consider it British for for the sake of the purposes of this show. Um, this is uh, you know nice period sexiness, murder mysteries, um, all kind of set in in period Australia in in Melbourne. Uh, nicely written, well acted, uh, a lot of fun. Some good bonus features on it, galleries and some character clips and whatnot. It's a uh, you know, Miss Fisher is a is a sharp show if you've seen it on public television. Uh, George Gently takes place in the sixties. Love uh, those shows; they, they're great, aren't Michael they? Michael Kitchen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, no, this is uh, not Michael Kitchen, but uh, uh, Martin Shaw. Oh, Martin Shaw. Okay. Martin Shaw, who's you know, I mean, they, they're the same generation; they're yeah. similar deal. Uh, but yeah, Martin Shaw uh, plays George Gently, who's a chief inspector in the nineteen sixties. Really, uh, really great uh, British procedural stuff. Nice and. Uh, uh, super well written, uh, very very, uh, you know, just kind of. I mean, how would you, you know, they have a, they have a. It's not like Law and Order, right? It yeah. just it, there's something almost more. It's like Law and Order feels written. It feels like they've watered down the detective stuff for American audiences. Well, they have the beats they need to hit in the sort of American day. With these, they don't. I was thinking of Foil's War, which is Michael yes, Kitchen. Yes, that's Michael Kitchen, sort of right. Post yeah. this, but this was a little bit later. What I liked about, about that is that it is set in the 60s, and that sort of mod pop thing yeah. is going on in all those... The haircut, the yeah. hairstyles, yeah, the, the sideburns, and the... the yeah. yeah, it's great yeah, stuff. Sort of anachronistic. In a so this way. is George Gently, uh, Series 7 on Blu-ray, uh, a, a, a well-shot show, Really cool. Um, Vicious, the complete second season, so is, funny. is great. And you know why it's great? It's great because they went and they got real actors. They went and got Derek Jacobi and Ian McKellen and just said, be, be good. Yeah. Just, and, I mean, they could have just let them ad lib everything and it would still be great. Um, so anyway, this is uh, actually a, a fascinating show starring two old, great British gay actors yeah. as gay men going, going, going at it with fabulous, reckless, reckless abandon. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, if you haven't seen it, that's uh, that's highly recommended. Uh, Vera, set five. Brenda Blethyn, uh, just a superb actress. Uh, this is also from Acorn. This is an ITV production. ITV, of course, does uh, Downton Abbey, so they uh, they know exactly what they're doing. And this is just great female detective police procedural. Uh, it's fantastic, and she plays a, uh, a chief detective, a chief inspector, exactly the same as in uh, uh, as in George Gently, except this is present day, and it uh, takes place. In Newcastle, and uh, kind of you know a rural area, so it's uh, it's not an urban procedural; it's more of a rural procedural. But uh, really good writing and uh, just perfectly produced. Uh, Last of the Summer Wine. This is the 2005 series. This thing is still funny, but it's still it's a, it's feeling a little dated. 
this show has run forever and uh, written by Roy Clark, who is just, you know, uh, an, a, a, a fixture in British comedy and never seems to run out of ideas. But uh, I'll tell you, it, if you've seen one, you, you have truly kind of seen them all. Uh, Midsummer Murders needs no introduction. This is also first rate. This is the Blu-ray uh, series. That series must have ran for series 15, 16 17. years. Seven, there you go. Yeah, late, the late 90s. It's just never it's ending. Right. But uh, it is a great show. And uh, they John just Nettles, keep, yeah. They keep finding new ways of just uh, reinventing that, 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 that you know, intensity that they have in every single episode. Uh, there's a great New Zealand police drama now. This is a new thing. This is on a two-disc Blu-ray set. It's called Harry. And uh, Sam Neill, with a mustache and gray hair, tries to make us forget that he's Sam Neill, but it doesn't really work. Uh, but the, the real star of this thing is Oscar Knightley, who plays Detective Harry Ang, uh, Anglesia. And uh, it all takes place in a... Uh, it's kind of like a law and order thing in Auckland, but uh, it's fascinating because it's a... He's essentially a Polynesian actor. He's not Maori, he's mm. Samoan. Mm. And he's an amazing actor. He's really, really cool. And, uh, the, you know, there's something just very different about New Zealand from Australia, uh, which is certainly different from, from England. So the whole, the whole vibe of taking place in Auckland, it makes it a little bit more exotic. And there is, you know, the interesting thing about New Zealand, everybody always forgets this, New Zealand is the only um, country that the British attempted to colonize and failed. Yeah. It's the only one. Yeah, the natives wouldn't have they, it. They, the Maori would not have it. And they fought these horrible, vicious land wars for like 100 or 150 years until finally they just said, okay, you know, truce. <laughs> and they agreed to create a new government that would essentially share power. So it's not a British government. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a Maori-British coalition government historically and there are all kinds of sort of protections for the indigenous population it's really fascinating interesting stuff thus yeah. thus uh, a guy starred in that show yeah so you you get that, so that's a that's a sharp new show is harry from on blu-ray from acorn definitely check that out uh the slap is uh, a uh, is a new crime show from uh this is on uh, on acorn as well adapted from uh what was it an aussie series if i'm not mistaken yes this is a yes it's uh it takes place in melbourne and uh, it's won a whole ton of awards from the Australian Film Institute. Uh, it is, uh, it, it's very, very, it's, it, Sophie Okonedo is amazing in it. Um, you know, she well, I guess on. what you had, you had an American series, American television series it's, adapted from that is it what, is, you, is it what is, you actually had. Well, it's like The Killing. Um, it is, it, it, it's, it's similar in many respects to The Killing. Um, it's not adapted from The Killing, I, I, but it has, it has certain similarities. But uh, great performances in it. Um, Sophie Okonedo, like I said, is amazing. Essie Davis, uh, Jonathan LaPaglia, uh, very impressive. From oh, Jonathan LaPaglia. Anthony okay. LaPaglia's yeah, yeah, son. Yeah. yeah, very, very impressive. So really, uh, really very, very sharp show. Gritty, intense. Uh, and then uh, let's see a few others here. Uh, Chasing Shadows, another uh, ITV show from the UK with uh, Alex Kingston going back to her native UK and doing much better than she did on ER. I- I've always liked Alex Kingston. Used to be married to Ray Fine. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Great uh, curly hair. She's a Doctor Whoey too. Yeah, Doctor Who, or she spent some time on Doctor Who. Yeah, I always love her. Uh, and Reese Shearsmith and uh, Noel Clark. Uh, that's a great whodunit show. Um, a, a new production of Therese Raquin, which has been done quite a lot. Uh, this one with Kate Nelligan, Brian Cox, and Alan Rickman. Uh, not you know, it's based on the Emil Zola novel. Not the not, not the best, but British television always does right by these things. So I mean, it's certainly. 
it's respectable. And then we're getting uh, new releases of The Saint from Timeless Media. The Saint no longer with the A&E brand. A&E, ah. You know, A&E released all that stuff originally, all that... Uh, uh, all the stuff that was originally aired on A&E, like all the Jerry Anderson stuff. And yeah. now Timeless has the rights to all that. And uh, after the Jerry Anderson stuff, they are now releasing, re-releasing The Saint. Roger Moore. This is seasons one and two of the Leslie Charteris uh, show, which is just great. I always love that show because they shot it, at least they shot parts of it all over Europe. Yeah, it was bomb fun. It moved all around. Um, you know, Roger Moore prepping for later Bond work. So great. He was better as The Saint than Bond, though. Oh, well, once yeah. he got to Bond, he was... He was, a different, he was you know, different kind of Bond. Yeah. Uh, season two of Silent Witness, which is uh, kind of creepy. Uh, this is a forensic show. You know, I, I, pres- I, I Quincy. Give me Quincy and I'll, I'll stop it. <laughs> little Jack Klugman. Yeah. Uh, Indian Summers, the complete first season. Which uh, I think are just airing on PBS just yes, about now. Just about now. And uh, what makes this is Julie Walters. I'll tell you, Julie Walters is just uh, not to be believed. Uh, the whole thing basically takes place at the end of uh, the uh, the Jewel in the Crown period, British rule in India, and all of that. Uh, beautifully done, uh, as all those Jewel in the Crown type things always are. Uh, great cast, but you know what? Julie Walters just nails it. I, it. She can do absolutely no wrong to me. Even when she's in a crappy movie, I just sit there and I just want more Julie Walters. No, absolutely. Ever it's, since, ever since uh, educating reading, educating reading, Michael Caine, yeah. yeah. Uh, Doctor Who, Dark Water, Death in Heaven, 3D. Uh, Tim, you're you're. I am a I, I am. You're a you're a Hooey. I'm a Hooey. I'm a Hooey. I go way back. I'm a Tom Baker man to be specific. But that series of Doctor Who's are quite extraordinary too. Um, um, so how are you feeling with uh, with the uh, what's his face, the Scottish guy is who? Actually, he's 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 quite good. Uh, in particularly in the way that the the, the series sort of recognizes who he is and what he is that he's an older guy. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 who's the favorite among you? He's know, a, so well, he's the, he's the first older who in like in, 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 in quite a while, fifty years. Yeah, because you, you know there was that break there for a while. As a matter yeah. of fact, probably the well, I don't know. Well, the but, first three or four, you know, Pertwee and all those Pertwee guys, and all those guys are really old. They were yeah, really and, old. You know, Tom Baker was a relatively speaking young man when he started who. Yeah, was probably we, in his middle. 30s. Then we started getting into guys that are like twenty and yeah. twenty five, yeah, and yeah, they look like young. they should be on the you know the the, the, the CW or something. Doctor Who was a particularly interesting thing for me. I've I've been waiting for either a female or a brown Doctor Who. Yeah, there ought to be <laughs> there, there ought to, to be, be one because you know there's there's simply no reason for it not to be. Yeah. Oh, the only thing Doctor Who ever has to be for me is British. Yeah. Must be British. Yeah. But other than that, we're good. Yeah. Swap no, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I, why has he not... He, he's bounced in body after body after body, but yeah. they're always like white dudes. Yeah, yeah, older and young. But a gal ought to be a Doctor Who. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, it, I, I'll, that will happen soon. You can have it, folks. Take it. It's yeah. on me. Yeah. 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 You, know, you know who would... Uh, who, who would you, if you were to cast a woman as Doctor Who, who would, who would that be? Well, again, um, a British woman. God. You know, Alex Kingston, if she hadn't already been in the series, because she, yeah. she, she was his lover. Actually, he was... I, I yeah. shouldn't give things away if people haven't watched the series. <laughs> but she would have been great. Uh, today, who was, that, who was that wonderful actress who played opposite Tom Cruise in that last Mission Impossible movie that we just saw? Oh, yeah. Uh, whose name I, I, I forget right yeah. now, but she sure. could play Doctor Who for me any day of the week. Sure. I hear you. Okay, down with that. 
and then just three more here. Uh, also from Acorn, Agatha Christie's Marple, 12 discs, and uh, you know more wonderful production from ITV. Uh, this is series four, five, and six. They already released a box set with one, two, and three in it. Uh, lots of great mysteries here. Lots of great supporting uh, guest stars, including you know Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, this is the one with Geraldine Joanna, McEwen, jo- Joanna Lumley, uh, yeah, this is Julia McKenzie. Julia McKenzie, Julia McKenzie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can sort of not do if, if you're old, if you're an old British lady with any kind of sort of <laughs> d- dignity, just play Marple and you're, you're, you win. It's really great. Never go wrong with Agatha Christie. No. And then the last two, Warwicker, the complete series, is awesome. Uh, Bill Nye just is one of those actors who he almost makes it look too easy. Mm. You know, he does. It almost feels like he's doing the same thing and everything, which is that thing that he does. He's very talks very slow, but somehow. Every time he does it differently, yeah. and I always, he just vanishes into the part. Well, the, the level of intelligence that he insinuates into each of those That's characters is. is always, you know, That's there's a range is. of intelligence of Bill Nye. What's wonderful is these wonderful, these British actors. Yeah. They can do that, can't they? They can yeah. have this very varied career where they can do a British television series, obviously theater, you know, yeah. uh, all of that, Globe. Uh, uh, Royal, Sh- Royal Shakespeare and all of that, and and also movie careers. You can be a real actor working in every possible venue True. when you're a British actor. Well, Warwicker is great. Uh, basically, Bill Nye plays a, uh, a, a an MI5 officer, and uh, these are there are three separate uh, m- movies essentially: uh, Page Eight, Turks and Caicos, and Salting the Battlefield that form this complete series of Warwicker. And uh, written by David Hare, great mm. playwright, mm. very good screenwriter, and uh, it is uh, it is really really it's just beautifully done. And this is feature film level stuff. I mean, Christopher Walken and Ray Fiennes and Rachel Weisz all show up in here. Uh, Winona Ryder shows up. Uh, Felicity Jones. You know, it's 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 an amazing. Uh, it's an amazing amount of talent that they threw into this thing. So, uh, Warwicker, the complete series, some of the best British television that uh, I've seen in a long time. I wonder if they'll make it over to the BBC, uh, over to the uh, PBS here. Or, or well, BBC it's, uh, America or it, something. It, it, yes, it is. It is part of the, the masterpiece. Okay, yeah, yeah, masterpiece. It's it, so it's from. It is airing on masterpiece here. And then uh, Home Fires with uh, Francesca Annis, who I almost forgot existed. Uh, she's been gone for so long, along with Ruth Jemmel and Samantha Bond, three of the greatest uh, British actresses of their uh, generation. And this is also from PBS's Masterpiece, which in January will bring us the final season ever of Downton Abbey. Downton and I'm Abbey. very sad. Yeah. I'm very sad. Yeah, yeah. I hope it doesn't involve uh, you know <laughs> someone getting kidnapped by a UFO. You know that's what they did in the Colbys. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. When the Colby that. was yeah. endangered, and then suddenly somebody gets kidnapped by a UFO. And I remember watching this, thinking, "Wait a minute, this is a spinoff from Dynasty." The Dynasty, so Dynasty was in the real world. Why is you know Charlton Heston was enough of a stretch? What <laughs> a UFO? What what are you thinking, you people? Uh, we're thinking we need uh, another season. Anyway. Uh, no, Home Fires is wonderful. It's uh, basically centers around these amazing women in a uh, rural community, and uh, you know they're they're part of the home front during World War II. And uh, how do you how do you deal with you know the fact that all your loved ones are at war and you're you're you know you don't really have a control over your country's fate? It's beautiful. It's wonderful stuff. Home Fires, um, anything dealing with World War World War II and the Battle of Britain and all that stuff. They always uh, the, the the Brits always just absolutely kill it. Yeah. All right, Tim. They uh, always win the war, too. That's really great. <laughs> that's right. So let's talk about new movies. There are some big new movies this week. And uh, 
Not all of them very good. Well, let's. I, I don't know. Is that a prelude to your thoughts about Terminator <laughs> Genesis 3D? Because I, I must be one of the few <sighs> film critics who appreciated what they were trying to do. What with they Terminator, were trying to do, <laughs> which is not necessarily what they what, 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 what they, they achieved. But yeah. I do have this appreciation when filmmakers are familiar with the canon of a series of films. Now, I will say this is not a great movie. Yeah, for 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 a number of reasons, but I will appreciate this about it: these filmmakers were uh, are familiar with the canon of all of the Terminator films, and yeah. they try to account for that canon in this film, so that they attempt to create a seamless universe in which not only these Terminator films can fit together, because this film references back to the original Terminator. Literally, yeah. there are scenes from the original Terminator movie movie recreated inside Terminator 3D. So it's attempting to do this thing. It is not completely successful, <laughs> but I do appreciate it that, it that it didn't do that thing of where it simply pretended like yeah. the other movies or the television series for that matter. This film actually accounts for things that happen in the television. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, the Sarah Connor yeah. Chronicles. So, um, yeah, I appreciate that about the movie. All kinds of special features and crap on this, on, on this uh, uh, two-disc uh, Blu-ray set. Uh, so, you know, if, look, if you're a completist... Yeah, or maybe you just can't get enough Arnold, you know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, then you're gonna you're gonna have to have this thing. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Well, we also have uh, Mr. Holmes, and uh, that is a, they, they, this was the subject of an interesting lawsuit that settled very quickly. Uh, Ian McKellen plays an aging Sherlock Holmes, uh, living in the shadow of his own myth, um, and uh, they, who winds up in a rather interesting caper of sorts um, which we will not reveal a a very interesting film from Bill Condon whose career has sort of been all over the map uh, Mm. in recent years Uh, you know Gods and Monsters was like a high point and then he wound up doing one of the Twilight films and you know, he sort of he sort of has been looking for his to ground himself again. And I think he's getting on track again here. Working with McKellen certainly helps. Somebody that he knows well. They have a great rapport. Uh, and uh, uh, this was the subject of a lawsuit. The estate of Arthur Conan Doyle mm. sued them for copyright infringement. So the question is: Is Sherlock Holmes as a character created by Conan Doyle really something? I mean, is he is he sort of in the public domain? Is he not? You would uh, think that enough enough time had expired, but these things all have to do with when copyrights are you know reinforced I mean, and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of Sherlock Holmes movies that have been made that have not gotten permission from the the Conan Doyle estate because they were not based on books. Uh, books, yeah. So the, the character it's, it was very interesting. They settled out of court, uh, as I understand it. So it, it's not clear. But anyway, it is a wonderful, wonderful film. McAllen is great, poignant, it, very poignant. Uh, not really a mystery per se. It's not not quite about the caper. It's more about the the character and, and the the relationship that he forms with the with the with and, the little boy you know. and Laura Linney is in it and is very is wonderful as well uh, and uh, you know so this is uh, and, and again this is based on a novel which is you know I, I, did the, did they get the rights yeah, for the novel think, I mean yeah. it's just so I'm not clear on that but I thought that was an interesting legal twist so anyway uh, Mr Holmes on Blu-ray with uh, digital HD ultraviolet on it and not much by way of special features just a couple of featurettes but doesn't really need them it's it's one of the best films of the year yeah you can't go go wrong with that yeah. train wreck um, uh, the Amy Schumer movie with Bill Hader yeah she's this a, is the unrated uh, yeah well thing. it's uh, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. how do you how do you unrate what what, what did she say that she can uh, look I was I was only a semi fan of this film yeah this is a Judd Apatow film and that's the thing about it it really is a Judd Apatow 
film. All right. Yeah. So I was expecting an Amy Schumer film, fan of the television show. Well, she wrote the script. Stuff. She wrote the script, and I was expecting an Amy Schumer film. But, but you I, got a Judd Apatow film because a it's Judd a Apatow comedy film. that's yeah. two and a half hours long. And, and look, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, it's Judd Apatow. He is insanely successful. Uh, you know, he wins. But his all comedies the time. are all two and a half yeah. hours long. And they, and they, and frankly, they are definitively at least. In terms of the resolution, I'm trying to, to talk yeah. about this without giving anything away. In terms of resolution, Amy Schumer and Judd Apatow are, are people who would land in different places in terms of re- resolution right. of story. Yeah. Judd is going to make everything turn out okay. Yeah. Amy, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, but this movie turns out okay, and that's what makes it a Judd Apatow and, film. And Bill Hader is, uh, is just turning into a really, really great actor. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Very, very much tamer and more subdued as a, as a film actor than I would have expected, given, obviously, his sketch persona on Dramatic SNL. chops. He has dramatic chops. Skeleton yeah. Twins was one to Oh, day. he yeah. was so yeah. good in that. He was yeah. so good in that. Uh, selfless. This is self slash list. Is uh, stars Ryan Reynolds, who apparently will do just about anything these days, uh, and, and sometimes just it's keep really him good. out of a Green Lantern suit, and I'm good. Yeah, they, well, that's what he says in the in the uh, the trailer for uh, for uh, oh, the, uh, the 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 Marvel thing that he's. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, d- d- oh, why are we drawing a blank? Yeah, on yeah, that? From, from, from X Men, you know, yeah. the, the guy with the with the mask and the anyway. Um, why can we not think of the name of that hero? It always it goes. Yeah, oh, his new, his new Deadpool. Deadpool. Thank, thank you. Hey, Deadpool. Hey, Deadpool. Uh, anyway, um, how many did you get to play? I just, you know, how many did you get? I don't know. I just, I, you and I grew up in a time when you got one. You know, you got one superhero shot. If you blew it, you blew it. You didn't get to be Daredevil. Uh, ben Affleck, and, and, then, and Batman. then Batman. Fifteen freaking years later. Or let's talk about you know Chris Evans, who is. Johnny Storm, and then he gets to be Captain America. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, you know, do we? There are a lot of guys with abs and pecs. Yeah, you know, give, give, and it's not like any. These guys are perfectly adequate actors, yeah. but it's not like their acting chops are so important yeah. that we can't make this movie. Yeah, uh, without them, you know, there you go. Well, anyway, so uh, Selfless uh, stars Ryan Reynolds and Ben Kingsley. Uh, it's on Blu-ray with Ultraviolet and. Uh, you know, uh, this should have sing film. This should have been better than it is. I mean, they're they're both decent actors, but they kind of will both do pretty much anything. Uh, the the idea basically here is that uh, Ben Kingsley is enormously wealthy and wants to put his mind. It's it, what was that Johnny Depp movie that tanked so badly? Uh, Transcendence. Transcendence. Yeah. Okay, it's a little he, he bit digitizes himself. It, yeah, it's a little just so stupid. It's insane. It's kind of <laughs> here. He's not digitizing himself, but Ben Kingsley wants to uh, be immortal or somewhat. You know, anyway, he puts his consciousness into Ryan. He Reynolds wants Ryan body. Reynolds' abs so he can get hot chicks. That's what he wants. There you go. Uh, so you know, the idea of transferring consciousness into another body, I just, uh, you know, the only Here's time. Here's Singh was an interesting director. Uh, yeah, at, at, I, I was never a big fan of the Cell. Yeah, uh, but the Fall, I thought, was a fascinating thing. It had, had its moments, yeah. You know, uh, but I don't know. Whatever, he's gone yeah. now. Yeah, well, anyway. Uh, so let's see. Uh, you know, Tim, we got a film here that um, we know the people who are involved. Shall how do we how do we even approach this the uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the conflict of interest on blood sucking bastards? Um, uh, how do we deal with this? Well, we we know the people who made this film, uh, Blood Sucking Bastards. So I I am obligated to say that it's absolutely wonderful, which is hard <laughs> for me to say with a movie that, that with that title. But they're they're good people. Um, uh, you know, Tim, you've worked for them. 
my, my wife has worked for yeah. them. We know people there. So, uh, you know, conflict of interest can't, can't go too far on this. But anyway, um, it, it, I'll, I'll say this about it. it is, as far as vampire comedies go, they, they are one of the, this is one of the few that actually understands that it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't take itself seriously, which is such a relief. It's and, funny and it's fun. If you, were, if you had watched yeah. this movie uh, any time during the month of October up until yeah. yesterday, you would have been having like, a good time. And look, with the title, Bloodsucking yeah. Bastards. Come then you on, put it on the shelf, you wait till next Halloween. It's good, a good, good cast, too. Uh, most of them are unknowns, but they're, uh, you know, it's a good, sharp, young cast. So uh, too bad it didn't come out you know, in time for, uh, for Halloween, but there it is. And uh, then speaking of Chris Evans, uh, part of the uh, two times a superhero gang. By the way, you know who else we could technically say is that is, uh, what's his name, who is uh, Quicksilver in, uh, in the, the latest Avengers because he was also kick-ass. Oh, uh, yeah, with the, the curly-haired uh, yeah. boy, yeah. Uh, yeah. What is his name? I forget yeah. his name, too. But yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It, not, not, you know, not, not a Marvel super, superhero, no, yeah. but nevertheless. Not, not the, the DC Marvel you know, twofer skipping from one to the other. But uh, that's, a th- that's a weird thing with Chris Evans. It's like if they were ever to do like a Fantastic Four Avengers crossover... Who, who, I mean, <laughs> I mean obviously we have, we've got a new event. We've got a new Fantastic Four. Michael, Michael B. Jordan would nevertheless yeah, happen. Yeah, probably. Anyway, talking about Chris Evans. Chris Evans is, is directing now, and I know people are thinking, oh, great. You know, you, you stereotype the good-looking guys, and you're like, yeah, he's got abs and a, and a pretty face. What, uh, you know, he can't have brains. He can't have talent. But you know what? He's good. He really is good. Before we go uh, with Chris Evans and Alice Eve is on Blu-ray from Anchor Bay. This was released by Radius, the uh, genre, well, it's kind of the, the, the lower budget genre, uh, sometimes genre arm of uh, Weinstein. But uh, it's, it's really good. And part of that is because it's got a, a really, really good uh, screenplay co-written by Ron Bass. And, you know, Ron Bass doesn't show up on... Uh, Billing blocks very much anymore, uh, but really one of the you know Rain Man and uh, yeah. Joy Luck Club, really one of the, a, a great screenwriter. So uh, before we go is uh, is a just a lovely romance um, with uh, Chris Evans as a musician and um, uh, Alice Eve as this uh, woman that he meets in kind of a a brief encounter sort of uh, scenario, and um, it is. Uh, I, I, I won't call it a, a modern-day brief encounter, but it has shades of that, and I think he's got a real future. I don't right? know if that's his uh, actual debut film. Maybe he had some shorts or something like that. But yeah, you know, but I, as a feature, I mean, fairly lovely, lovely work. There's a, um, uh, th- this is a film called Bound to Vengeance. At the Sundance Film Festival, they have a midnight section called Park City at Midnight, all kinds of interesting films there. It's yeah. been you know, subtle to talk of the festival for the, last, for the last couple of years for the neat little films that you might not necessarily expect to show up at the Sundance Film Festival being there. Uh, Bound to Vengeance is sort of interesting to me. I, I simply like the premise of it. It's a, it's a dark little film, uh, but it's about a young woman who is chained in the basement of one of those sort of sexual predators for about nine months or so. We think about the film Room that's sort of floating around right now and might be up for some Oscar contention. I think Room will be up for quite uh, a few Oscars. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about Room... Had it not been for the Cleveland abduction case, yeah. the actual Cleveland, yeah. of, of which there's been a film made, uh, yeah. I think Tara Manning or somebody's going to be in that film. It might be a TV movie. I don't think it's going to be a feature. But yeah. Had it not been for that case and they made that film Room, 
uh, credulity would have been stretched. I yeah, would have true. said to myself, Very you true. know what? I don't think I you, you accepted there, that. Well, there, there, have, there have been a number of these, and there's also that one. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the woman, but it's 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 closer to room where he built that tent in, yeah. the, in the backyard, yeah. and she wound up having two kids or something, and his wife was involved. It was in the all, whole yeah, thing. And, no, it's, it, and the cops happen. went to the door. And, you know, they had. To, it wasn't until they looked at satellite photos that were like, son of a bitch, there's a tent in the backyard. You know, it, sometimes you just want to beat your head against a wall that these things carry on this it's long. It's an absolutely intriguing thing, which all the, makes this little movie interesting. Um, yeah. She's a sexual predator trapped in the basement yeah. uh, for about nine months. Well, the fun thing about the movie, uh, when she gets loose, she doesn't go home. Uh, she decides she's gonna make his life miserable. Uh, <laughs> I like great. that, you know. So bound, uh, bound to vengeance. It's in the title, folks. Uh, Operator stars Luke Goss, Misha Barton, Michael Perret, and Ving Rhames. That means it's a B movie. The, <laughs> that's, that's what that means. Those people don't do A list stuff anymore. Ving yeah. Rhames occasionally will. Show well, he'll still walk like, through. You know, a, he'll walk a through Mission, Mission Impossible. Impossible. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll do that. But, but pretty much, these are people who will work if you pay, if you offer them a paycheck. Yeah. And I kind of don't blame them anymore. I used to be like, why would you do that? But now I'm like, the industry has changed so much now. You got to take work. You can't. Well, you can't hurt yourself. No, you can, you actually can't hurt yourself anymore. Yeah. So, yeah there you go. Anyway, this is pretty pretty kind of standard, uh, you know, cop thriller. Uh, you know, basically a you know a a, a captive situation, a hostage situation, and. Uh, you know, one of those uh, gotta save your daughter deals. Uh, a lot of guns, a lot of explosions. Ving Rhames being tough and intimidating. Luke Goss being, uh, you know, also somewhat intimidating, but a lot less intimidating than Ving Rhames. And Misha Barton just kind of standing there looking pretty. And Michael Perret, um not really doing much of anything other than, uh, you know, wishing that the 80s were here again. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it works out that way. I got yeah. another, I got another, I got another vengeance movie, girl vengeance movie over yeah. some kind of hate. Uh, these movies have absolutely extraordinary titles. <laughs> I have this to tell is, you, this is a Best Buy exclusive. We should point out too a Best Buy exclusive. Yeah, oh, yeah is, I, actually, I do see that there. Yeah, yeah. A uh, Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, it, it's exactly that. A vengeance movie. A young teenage girl gets bullied. She accidentally conjures up the spirit of another dead teenage uh, girl who was bullied, and together uh, they go on a killing spree. Uh, uh, a lot of fun. There you go. Uh, and, and by the way, remind me to tell you about this Indian film that, uh, that crossed my radar in a second. Uh, anyway, the last two uh, new movies that we have here. Uh, one is called Tiger House. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, this feels like uh, you know, uh, yet another one of these kinds of uh, female vengeance movies. We got a lot of these this week. Uh, it also feels a little bit like... Um, Oh, I don't know. It, it, it feels like The Raid and The Raid 2 in oh, some yeah. respects. It feels like it's borrowing some of that as well. Anyway, uh, so Kaya Scolidario, who was in The Maze Runner. i really not sufficiently familiar with The Maze Runner films to uh, place her. But anyway, um, her she basically – well, how do I put this? There's a, there's a bunch of guys, uh, some home invasion robbers. She's at her boyfriend's house, and a bunch of home invasion robbers break in. And uh, she, Doug Ray Scott is one of the uh, one of the you know the bad guys, and uh, she has sort of got to be the one to take them to task. And boy, does she ever! And you know we've we've seen this a million times. Generally speaking, you know I can't. I'm not terribly critical of a sort of female revenge movies. Women yeah. have been fodder for serial killers and rapists. Just wish and they were better. Like, if they were just better movies, you know. Yeah. But, 
But I, turning the tables, I sort of enjoy the idea of turning the and tables. And then Blu-ray, DVD, and Ultraviolet of Max, uh, which is yet another dog movie that ever, a lot of people thought was going to be a big deal. Dog movies aren't a big deal anymore. Yeah, war, war, yeah warrior dog there. This, yeah. yeah, this is, you know, the, the, this is basically an Afghanistan war story uh, dealing with a dog. And then, you know, the dog obviously continues his heroics after he comes home from Afghanistan. Yada yada, so forth and so on. Uh, look, if you love dog movies, you'll probably like Max. That's, it's it, you, you could do worse, but it's, all that movie it was a downer. It was it was it, the actual downer. The yeah. thing about dog movies, they shouldn't be downers, even if they have a sort of say Turner and Hooch, Old Yeller, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, Old Yeller's uh, a downer. Yeah, it's a downer. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, a big it takes downer. you down and leaves you there. All right, you know, Tim. Let's uh, we got a big stack of um, classic films. Classic here. cinema coming out of this round. And uh, the first one is a wonderful Criterion edition of Mulholland Drive, Mr. Lynch. And I'm going to tell you something about Mulholland Drive. I want everybody when you get your Mulholland Drive Blu-ray, I want you to go to just about ten minutes from the end of the film. Oh, it's so enjoyable. Go in exactly two hours. 17 minutes and 33 seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, Naomi Watts is sitting there at a booth in the cafe, and she reaches down for the money, and there's a close-up of her hand reaching yes. for the money. That is not her hand. No, I hate hand to I hate to break the uh, I hate <laughs> to break this to our listeners, but that was a pickup shot taken later. That is not Naomi Watts's hand. That is my wife's hand. Yes. That is my wife's hand. <laughs> Um, a long association with the with, with David with, Lynch. With David Lynch. Yes, my wife worked for for Lynch for for quite some time. She was a production executive on Mulholland Drive. I am very proud to say, and uh, the stories that I lived through. Now, mind you, it, not my favorite Lynch film. I I have plenty. I'm know, a big fan. I'm a big fan. It's a uh, nutty movie. I I love Lost Highway. I love Wild at Heart. I love uh, The Elephant Man. I love fire, well, fire, fire Walk with Me. I'm a Fire Walk. By, with by me the guy. way, did I ever tell you that the time that we had a private screening of uh, of Eraserhead? No. Lynch does this every once in a while. We at the the Sunset Screening Room in Burbank. Okay, okay, yeah, I know the one, yeah. He, he booked that and just just on a whim, he's just like, let's see a racer head. So he, he booked that, and we all got invited down to sit there. And, of course, because it's private screening, uh, there are no no smoking rules. So David will sit there in the front seat, and he is smoking away, and you are inhaling his secondhand smoke <laughs> because it's his damn movie. Anyway, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's quite something to watch Eraserhead with David. It really is. Did he, did he do a running commentary? Or did he sit no, quietly? No, but he actually laughed. I, was, at I, I would have loved it if he would have just offered a running commentary. This actually, is what I was thinking, folks. No, yeah. he actually laughs at it, and it's quite wonderful. And, uh, you know, it, there's something cool about that. But rule of thumb, never ask him about the baby. No. Ever, ever, ever. It is off limits. That's the first rule. Before you, you meet David Lynch, you will be coached. Don't ask David about <laughs> that's, a, that's a rule. Anything that's the rule. Why would you, yeah, it's just because everybody always wants to know how did you make it? How did it move? You know, I yeah. mean, it's whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so Mulholland Drive, a little bit of background on this because I did kind of live through this. You know, this was originally a, 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 a television pilot, this yes. was supposed to be a series. And kind of like what went down with uh, Twin Peaks. A little bit. In, in, in the reverse, I suppose. In the reverse. You know, this was a series, and he submitted it to, I guess it was ABC at the time, and uh, I, I believe the pilot was like 20 minutes too long or something like that. And um, they rejected it because they're like, this doesn't make any sense. It's just, it's, like, it's just weird for weird's sake. And, well, yeah, it's David Lynch. You're in business with David Lynch. What yeah. do you think? You're going to get gun smoke? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? You, did the, you not... the, the, the straight story is about as straight as he gets. Uh, uh, which, yes, yeah. which was, you know, written or by... Elephant Man. 
Elephant Man too, which mm. he did not write. You know, yeah. he was hired to do Elephant Man. And Straight Story, same actually, thing. Adaptation yeah. was was written by his 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 wife, Mary Sweeney, at the time. So um, yeah, so it. it um, but Mulholland Drive was just this this weird, surreal kind of noirish, interwoven story kind of cop procedural thing. And it was meant to launch a series. And you can tell it when you watch it that, that there are threads that are being created for future episodes and yeah, whatnot. Things meant to be picked up later. Yeah. yeah. Which don't go anywhere in the movie. But uh, there was one, there was literally a day. And I remember this very well from when my wife came home. She, she, she said, you know, the ABC didn't pick up the series. And then sometime later, um, it's like, David's going to make it into a movie. He, he like had a dream. And he came running down, and he's like, "I know how I'm going to do it. I, I had a dream, <laughs> and and the, and literally, the dream was how he winds up finishing the movie and turning it. And you know what? This the LA Film Critics, our organization, yes. when we did this weird little vote a few years ago of best films of the first cent, first decade of the new century, which I never really understood why we did that, but because we have our annual awards, this film never won any awards the year that it was made, but it was given best... I mean, I think we gave him best director. We did. Give, we gave him best director mm-hmm. uh, th- this year, but we didn't give it best film. And I think best film went to In the Bedroom or something like that. But oh, yeah. Yeah, it did. That was. it was 2001, best, yeah. It was In the Bedroom. We, we gave it best film, uh, but we gave this best director. But then later, later on, everybody voted in the best film of the first decade, and this somehow came out on top. So in any case... It grew on people. It became something of a cult it classic. Is. It is. It is. Um, which is what sort of happens with David Lynch. It's a, it, you know what? It's a great movie. And let me, let me warn you, too. If you're going to fast forward to my wife's hands close up, um, a rule that Lynch has with all of his DVDs and all of his movies on DVD and Blu-ray is no chapter separations. Mm-hmm. There are no chapters here. So you don't get to sort of you know, skip ahead. You have to literally fast forward at four or five times speed, whatever your Blu-ray and has. scan to where you're and going. And scan to where you're going to go. Lynch, like watching videotape. He does not want people just picking where they want to go in the movie. He believes you should sit down and watch it from beginning to end. Not an unreasonable sort of... Not unreasonable. I mean, it's a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you gotta... It it would make more sense for me, to me, for him to believe that about his films. If his films always went someplace specifically in some sort of coherent fashion. But given that they, generally speaking, don't, what difference does it make where you start Lost Highway? Lost Highway, and we we'll, and we spend a lot of time on Lost Highway, but it's a or on Mun Mulholland Drive. I mean, it's a it's a great film. Uh, it grows on you more and more you watch it, and uh, it launched Naomi Watts. Career. It launched Naomi Watts. It uh, it effectively launched uh, Justin Thoreau as well. Yes, I yes, mean, he would Justin Thoreau. He wouldn't be with Jennifer Aniston if not for this movie. I don't he know he wrote he wrote a, he wrote a bunch of big movies, so he might he's have, written he, some he, big stuff. He might have he might Tropic have, Thunder. Yeah, yeah, he might have had a. In any case, um, interesting guy, Justin Thoreau. When he is, in, you know, it's, yeah. a lot of great stuff in here. New interviews with just about everybody: Lynch, uh, Naomi Watts, Thoreau, Laura Herring, uh, Badalamenti, the composer, uh, Jack Fisk. You know, I mean, it, on and on and on. Uh, Joanna Ray, uh, the casting director. A deleted scene, um, a great booklet, wonderful custom packaging. It is, you know, it's a, love it's a, that beautiful matte it's a, finish. It's a digipack package. It's wonderful. It has a little booklet in it. That's just, it's just superb. It's wonderful. It's a fan. It's for a fan. It is for a fan. I mean, this is one of the best things Criterion has done in quite a while, and we are all very, very happy here. 
Either fan of the Lynch or a fan of the movie. Absolutely. Um, and then let's see. We've got some. Uh, let me go here. We got some stuff from Olive. Let me just roll through some of the Olive titles here really quickly. Um, we love the people over at Olive. They are, uh, you know, they license some really interesting stuff and continue to contribute to the the uh, the reputation of Blu-ray. Um, Flying Disc Man from Mars. Weirdest title ever. Uh, but it is, this is a, it's a better film than the title would certainly uh, have you believe. This is from the Grand Exploitation year of 1950, right at the beginning of the era where we're starting to get these kinds of movies, these sort of atomic age um, uh, science fiction drive-in movies. And uh, the idea here is that there's a, you know, all of these movies about invasions, Martian invasions, it's all really about Russians. Yeah. I mean, it, truly, invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. It's all about fear of communists and the Cold War and Russians. Nuclear and annihilation. Nuclear annihilation. Yeah. It's all, they're all allegories. And uh, the idea here is that uh, you have a, a Martian who wants to invade the Earth and winds up teaming up with uh, a doctor, an American scientist who is a, a, a formerly a Nazi, and they're going to try to uh, use atomic energy to dominate the world. Um, certainly a ridiculous idea, but a fascinating uh, metaphor and a fascinating uh, way in which they execute this. Uh, definitely worth checking out and a really nice Blu-ray transfer. So that is an, a, an old 1950 Paramount film, rediscovered and remastered by Olive. Uh, we also have Carl Reiner directing Henry Winkler in The One and Only. Kind of a kind of a weird little lost title here. Uh, I, I love that movie back in the day. It is it is just one of the sweetest films. It's a, this is from 1977, yeah. which is when the thing about 1977 is unless you were Star Wars or Close Encounters, yeah, you didn't everybody's kind of forgotten about you. Yeah. Well, okay, Annie Hall and you know maybe a couple other films, but really yeah, maybe got, Robert Altman or two Nashville yeah. or think something came out around then. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you know this is uh, Carl Reiner directing a film written by Steve Gordon, the late. Uh, you know, died too soon guy who directed and wrote Arthur, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a sweet comedy. It's a really sweet comedy. One of the better screen performances by Henry Winkler. And um, you know, I'm I'm sorry that people probably have forgotten about this, but it's worth checking out. And then the other two from Olive uh, are Doctor Terror's House of Horrors, which is one of those great uh, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing uh, team ups. And, uh, you know, kind of trying to maintain the spirit of their Hammer films. This is, of course, uh, from 1964. And uh, it is not quite that terrifying, not quite a horror film anymore, but it is really nicely done because it's directed by Freddie Francis, who did a lot of these things and did them very, very well. Uh, Freddie Francis, of course, also a, uh, a superb cinematographer. Uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. And the last one, one of my all-time favorite comedies... And I've got to give Burt Reynolds props for directing this. This is just a wonderful film, and I cannot thank all of films enough for digging this up from the MGM uh, library. Uh, the end. Yeah. Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise have never been funnier. The, and Carl Reiner is in this as well, in a, in a small part. I mean, the, the, this also has Myrna Loy for crying out loud. Myrna Loy, Pat O'Brien, Norman Fell, Joanne Woodward, uh, Struther Martin. This is an amazing cast. And yet they are all overshadowed by these two lunatics. Uh, Burt Reynolds, a guy who wants to commit suicide and can't bring himself to do it. And, uh, and, and, and Dom DeLuise and is going to help him out. 
Dom DeLuise. Until he changes his mind and Dom is still trying with all his heart to kill this guy. It, this movie is so funny. It is so beyond funny. I just... They I were can't. the most odd little comedy team oh, uh, for so a while funny. there. Uh, that the I Cannonball did. Run movies. Oh, just, just the oddest little comedy team. But it's so funny. The, the, the end is such a gem and I'm so happy it's out. So thank you, Olive. Uh, what do I got over here? I got one, a 1966 film, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bombs. Oh. Interesting. Uh, for a couple of different reasons, yeah. Italian sort of Abba, Mario Baba, uh, sort of adapting these films. This one has Vincent Price uh, in it. Uh, with these, uh, there's an audio commentary too. So the idea is that you know this doctor, this crazy doctor, builds these sort of female robots that he's going to use yeah. to set off a thermonuclear device and all this kind of stuff. You and I were talking a little bit earlier. I was uh, before I came over to do the podcast with you. I was watching an episode of The Bionic Woman with John Hausman. Nice. And the episode involving the, the, the three, the three, the three episode <laughs> series yeah. involving the Fembucks. So this uh, sort of takes off that obviously a takeoff from some of the James Bond movies popular at the time. This is 1960. 66, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bomb Girls. And then, of course, we have Peter Fonda uh, and Brooke Shields in Wanda, Nevada, 1979 film. You're, you're a graduate from high school, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, she was only 14 years, at, uh, 14 years old at the time. Neat little movie. I remember this movie uh, from back in the day. Um, it was right after Endless Love. Uh, that she had done. So, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was that period when she was still trying to make her way as a very, very young actress and movie star, uh, floating around. Blue Lagoon uh, hadn't happened yet, yeah. uh, so she was, like, floating around in that entire area there. So uh, sort of an interesting retrospective of Peter Fonda, Brooke Shields. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, uh, Lee Marvin and Gary Grimes. Do you remember the Spikes Gang? Wait. I never. I never saw the Spikes Gang. I, I remember. I only I remember it from television. It's an yeah. early sort of sort of an early seventies movie, Richard Fleischer film. And it was from that period when when Lee Marvin was popping up and all kinds of stuff. You'd see a young young Ron Howard in the movie, uh, uh, Noah Barry in the movie, stuff like that. This was a period when you could actually make films like this, uh, you know, and they were sweet and funny, and you kind of get away with these sort of light. Charles Martin Smith, kind of westerns, but not really, not really westerns. And of course, here, um, Sidney Poitier's *Lilies of the Field*. This is just a really, a really poignant and sweet movie that still, that *Lilies still, of the Field* is a great film. It still works today. Yeah. What What I love most about this movie is this is Sidney Poitier. Of course, you know Sidney Poitier is a, is, is is a builder, a contractor, yeah. and these nuns need him to do something for them, and they sort of bamboozle each yeah. other in this sort of lighthearted way, and he does something for them. What I love about this movie is the sort of respect yeah. that goes back and forth between these people as they as they grow into this relationship, and of course, it Sidney doesn't Poitier, play it doesn't play the nun angle for no. it doesn't make it cloying. You know, it's very easy to overplay that because there were a lot of movies from this period dealing with nuns. And, uh, you know, you had a lot of people showing up in, in habits. Uh, and, yeah, Audrey Hepburn. Oh, and, Audrey and, Hepburn. And, and, and Ross. And, yeah, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, Julie Andrews and The Sound of Music and uh, Heaven Knows Mr. Allison. Yeah. And, oh, on and on and on. I mean, a lot of nuns. But um, this one really treats it very, with a great deal of uh, respect. Adapted from a novel. It's a very yeah. bright film, 1963 film. What's interesting to me is you couldn't make this film today. Could not make Probably the not. release of the film as a feature, as a theatrical studio feature film today. No, you couldn't. You know, so, so, yeah. I don't know, kind of sad. No, it, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, yeah, it, yeah. it's that just, yeah, that's yeah, true. Uh, some interesting stuff here from uh, some other labels. Uh, film Movement Classics. Film Movement now has a classics line, which I'm so grateful they have, and they are releasing Blu-rays. And this is a film I had never even heard of before, I, which I'm sort of amazed. Mickey Rourke, 
and Helena Bonham Carter in a Liliana Cavani movie called Francesco. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Cavani. Obviously, I know Mickey Rourke and Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, had no idea any of them had worked together on a movie. So this completely came out of blue for me. This is from um, 1989 and uh, really sort of a, 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 just a surprise. This apparently was in competition at one point in the Cannes Film Festival. So uh, well, That was that interesting period for Mickey Rourke when he sort of eschewed Hollywood. yeah. You know, he had, he had, he had gone he off went, and did some boxing. Went back to boxing for a while and yeah. then came back to acting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, restless James Dean kind of trajectory. But uh, in any case, it is, uh, this, it's basically inspired by uh, a monograph that was written by Herman Hess. And it, is, uh, it centers on the life of St. Francis of Assisi and uh, the, whole, the creation of the Franciscan uh, order of monks. And um, it is, uh, you know, Liliana Cavani has made some rather gruesome movies in her career, one of which Andy and I did a commentary for, uh, for a Cohen film from some, uh, some months ago. And, you know, it, it, it is, sometimes we struggle. The Night Porter is sort of the most famous film she ever did, and you sometimes struggle to sort of appreciate what she's trying to do in her movies. But this is completely different, and it is a, it is a, it is a much more subdued Cavani here with wonderful performances. Uh, Mickey Rourke and Helena Bonham Carter are both wonderful. You would think Mickey Rourke as St. Francis of Assisi. How's that going to work? <laughs> you know what? It totally, it yeah. totally works. It is just wonderful. So um, a, a wonderful little uh, piece of history in a movie that I didn't even know existed previously. Uh, Britt Eklund. Uh, we got a couple here from uh, VCI. The first one is Britt Eklund in What the Peepers Saw, along with Mark Lester and Hardy Krueger. Uh, this is a never-before-seen widescreen uncut version. Now, since I have never seen any other version uh, other than this, I can't speak to uh, what was cut and what wasn't and how this you know, compares to any other versions. Uh, but it is, a, it is a pretty great uh, thriller, to be honest. Uh, with, you know, Britt Eklund, oftentimes just associated as a, a hot blonde that Mick Jagger once dated. Yeah. Um, actually, a, a surprising good actress in a, in a number of films. And, uh, Early she, 70s movie. Yeah, and uh, the idea here is that she begins to believe that her stepson, played by Mark Lester, of uh, of, of uh, uh, Oliver fame, yeah. um, may have murdered his his, uh, his actual birth mother, and uh, then of course you know fill in the blanks, evil child and scared woman. Uh, a couple of great Dirk Bogard movies on another title here from uh, VCI. Uh, Campbell's Kingdom and Agent Eight and Three Quarters. Dirk Bogard, Dirk Bogard can sort of do no wrong by me. One of my favorite actors of the, uh, of the 60s. Uh, really a just great face. Could have been James Bond if not for... Uh, you know, for other actors mm-hmm. uh, getting in the way, just one of those guys. You know, there's a lot of a lot of actors who could have been James Bond, and uh, you know, never never had the shot. But anyway, really, a couple of very cool films. And then the uh, servant is just one of my favorite oh, films ever. That's isn't just, it? You know, yeah, isn't it? You know, I'm not going to stay in a place where they chuck balls at your head. <laughs> you know that that that's and it just the way it works in that sort of slow manipulation. <sighs> As it all turns. All turns, know, yeah. yeah. A couple of Jackie Chan films, uh, First Strike and Rumble in the Bronx. Uh, never before on Blu-ray here. I can't believe Rumble in the Bronx has never been on You know, here's the thing. I, I would, there, there are two cuts of Rumble in the Bronx. There's the U.S. release cut, and there is the original Hong Kong cut. I always recommend people to import the original Hong Kong cut because it's about 15 minutes longer, and there are, it makes more sense. Mm. There are these huge uh, story gaps that they just slide 
sliced out for the new line release because they just wanted it to be more action. Mm. And you really miss a lot. It uh, the only the only thing that really I mean, so I would say get the import. I mean, if you don't mind the American cut, this is fine. Uh, the same thing with First Strike. Both of these are directed by Stanley Tong, who did Super Cop, the uh, the third police story movie. Uh, these these cuts are both from Warner Brothers uh, because they were with the New Line Library, released here by New Line. But I would not recommend these if you are a purist, as I am. Uh, those who don't know, I wrote a Jackie Chan book, mm-hmm. which you can probably still get on Amazon for fifty cents. <laughs> hey, you know, and go to a new one, yeah. and I don't get any royalties out of that either. So uh, go knock yourselves out. But uh, yeah, First Strike and uh, Rumble in the Bronx are both great movies, but I prefer the the Hong Kong cuts. I would recommend those if you can find an import version. Otherwise, these are fine. Uh, you know, nice transfers. The the one thing about Rumble in the Bronx is that it was shot in Vancouver. And uh, there's nothing in that movie that even looks like anything in the Bronx. It's Vancouver, <laughs> especially especially when he's on the hovercraft at the end, and you see the mountains in the background, and you just go, "That's in the Bronx." That's like, in the Bronx, what, what but you know, are those? but you know, in Hong Kong, they don't care. They don't <laughs> they care. Don't, they don't, Bronx, they don't Bronx, Bronx, Cleveland, Los Angeles, Houston, <laughs> San Francisco. It's all the same. It's uh, somewhere over there across the Pacific. Yeah. And then a couple others from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, we talked about uh, Kiss the Girls a few weeks ago, uh, Mark and I did, and uh, the sequel, Along Came Spider. That's 1997, uh, Kiss the Girls and Along Came Spider. Those are adaptations of Patterson. I should read all those Patterson novels. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, uh, this is Morgan Freeman reprising his role as Alex Cross. Who eventually got to be played by uh, Tyler Perry. How do you make your way... I From Morgan no Freeman as Alex Cross. It makes no sense. You tell you what anyway, yeah. Morgan Freeman's wonderful in these movies. I can't say that Along Came a Spider is very good. Uh, Kiss the Girls is a much better movie. Uh, but uh, this was directed by Lee Tamahori, who uh, sort of for lost... For a while there was... You know. you know, Once for Warriors was his big coming up. Uh, you know, He's an Australian director. Lee Tamahori is also half Maori, and most people know him from a, an unfortunate incident that uh, took place over here where he was he was caught uh, it, what was he abu- he was sort of abusing himself he was in drag yeah he was wandering around uh, some part of town dressed as uh, dressed as a woman and doing a, something it was a whole unfortunate thing anyway it was unfortunate and and look that notwithstanding he's a hell of a director i wish he would go back to his roots and do uh, you know he's been kind of a hollywood guy he did the wolfgang peterson thing he came over after making a great uh, movie in his home country once for warriors in new zealand and well, he, did, he got paid a couple of times he did that movie next yeah i think it was a, the, that was a, a nick cage Mul- and he did mulholland flats then, that, yeah Mulholland that falls, Mulholland falls of the sort, yeah. of, sort of hat yeah. movie with all the guys yeah. yeah anyway uh no so it's decently directed it's just not a very good script but you know morgan freeman keeps it up and then uh john wayne and james stewart a, a, an amazing legendary western pairing in the immortal and wonderful uh the man who shot liberty valance yeah one of the all-time great westerns, finally out on Blu-ray, a rather unceremonious release on Blu-ray, just kind of uh, spat out there. Um, it's a Paramount title originally, but Warner Brothers, of course, is releasing a lot of these catalog titles for Paramount. And I, you know, I understand, I don't know, I just wish somebody would have decided to give this a special release because it's, uh, you know, it's a great movie. John Ford, oh, uh, John Wayne, 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 it's amazing. Stewart, Lee Marvin, Vera Miles, the great Woody Strode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a great Western. It's, uh, you know, one of John Ford's best. And, and James Stewart and John Wayne together on screen. I mean, you just, it's, it is what it is. 
Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's keep plowing through these uh, these classics here, so we we don't run out of time. Uh, a couple here from uh, Arrow Video, who keeps doing great cult titles. These are uh, strictly for fans of Valerian Borachik. Uh, Valerian Borachik makes you know or made a rather lascivious kind of art, sex, horror films of a very particular type. Uh, Immoral Tales and The Beast being the two that I have in my hands. These are both uh, Blu-ray and DVD combo sets. Uh, The Beast is a deeply weird, psychotic, strange, psychedelic, uh, sexy monster movie that will disturb you in ways that you have never imagined that you could be disturbed. Uh, it is, uh, it, it, it's just, it's really, it's just a creepy movie, but it's a, it's a historic movie because it's just, you just can't believe somebody would actually dare to do this. Comes with a criterion's worth of tons of special edition, uh, extras, just huge amounts of stuff, documentaries and, uh, featurettes and television clips and short films and commercials. And it's just, it's, it's tons and tons of stuff. And the same thing goes for Immoral Tales, which is, uh, was, the, was uh, Barczyk's first film. And uh, th- this also is just filled with all kinds of just depraved, decadent sex and gore. And yet it's an art film. It's a European art film. Um, Barczyk is just a weird dude, and he made movies that nobody else can, uh, can really... Comp- you just can't describe them. So in any case, this also is just loaded with all of those, uh, those kinds of extras. So if you are familiar with Borachik, you will definitely want to check these out. Interesting if, if, if Borachik's name doesn't mean anything to you, immerse yourself in Wikipedia and, and maybe a few clips from uh, YouTube before you, you yeah. really expose yourself. You might when I say know. expose yourself, yeah. I mean that literally. You might want to know what you're doing there. Yeah. Uh, what do I have here? The W.C. Fields, a comedy essentials collection, 18 classic films. Uh, short films and feature films by W.C. Fields. And actually, that's relatively speaking true. Most of the really, really good ones are on uh, this disc here. Um, also a featured documentary. But you, you do get the, uh, the bank dick. You get the gift. You, you get uh, My Little Chickadee. Um, what I do not see is Never Give a Sucker a Break, which is about a 1941 film. Uh, but these stretch all the way back to about 1932, first one, uh, Million Dollar Legs. So, you know, if you're a W.C. Fields sort of aficionado or completist, so you're probably going to grab this. Yeah, I am a big sort of W.C. Fields fan. When I was growing up, he fell into that category along with, oh, I don't know, Joey Brown and you yeah, know, a few of those yeah, guys. You know, yeah. the Marx Brothers, of course, was that whole sort of series of things. Uh, that I thought were funny. So W.C. Fields Essential Comedy Collection. Pretty awesome. Uh, anything W.C. Fields. A uh, bunch of Warner Archive collection stuff to uh, make mention of as quickly as we can here. Uh, we are running short on time, but Warner Archive, of course, releases uh, Manufacture on Demand titles uh, available at warnerarchive.com, warnerarchive.com. Uh, the first one here is the uh, Wild Bill Elliott Western Collection. Uh, Wild Bill Elliott had a moment and uh, you know made a lot of B-Westerns that are of interest to people who like B-Westerns. Some of them are, are, are decent in here. Uh, the, uh, the 49ers, not a bad film. Uh, the, uh, the Maverick, also not a bad film. Rebel City, pretty good. Uh, some of these, uh, like Topeka, and, you know, a little bit less interesting. Waco, The Longhorn. I mean, you know, these are, these are certain kind of westerns, and they, uh, they, they made them very quickly. But, um, you know, uh, they, they smack of a certain era. Flaxy Martin with Virginia Mayo and Dorothy Malone is uh, a pretty cool kind of forgotten noir. 
And uh, I would recommend this certainly for noir fans. It's something you definitely should have. It's not uh, kind of you know top tier, but uh, directed by Richard Bear, who was a, a you know a, a solid uh, workmanlike uh, kind of uh, stock director of the day. And Virginia Mayo is always wonderful. Uh, you, you just can't go wrong with Virginia Mayo. Um, we also have uh, Public Hero number one meant very uh, clearly to reference Public Enemy number one. Lionel Barrymore, Gene Arthur, uh, Chester Morris, really a great cast. Originally an MGM release, now in the uh, Warner Library, thanks to uh, Ted Turner. And uh, this deals with the Purple Gang, which was an organized crime operation in the 1930s out of Detroit. And, uh, you know, this is all Prohibition-era kind of generated story. And uh, actually a pretty interesting uh, look at all of this with uh, um, Chester Morris playing an FBI agent who's kind of on their tail. A little bit of, the, of an untouchables kind of a feel to it. But uh, Gene Arthur is just always wonderful. Just a, a, a total every woman in every respect. And, of course, Lionel Barrymore, it goes without saying, is... Uh, is amazing here as an alcoholic doctor. It's uh, just it's a wonder to behold his kind of his screen acting. Uh, the last three: uh, Helen Hayes, Robert Montgomery in Another Language, directed by Edward Griffith, uh, and Helen Hayes. You know, one of the all-time great actors. Uh, just you know, more famous on stage than obviously in movies, but uh, a wonderful performance here, uh, along with uh, Robert Montgomery. Both of them just really, really first-rate. Really a, a great. Uh, a great pre-code drama adapted from a, a very, very popular play of the day. And uh, locking in on the last two, Wind Across the Everglades, uh, which is, strangely enough, believe it or not, based, uh, or, or not even based, written by Bud Schulberg and produced by uh, Stuart Schulberg. Now, Bud Schulberg, of course, most people will know, yeah. wrote uh, you know, What Makes Sammy Run, one of the all-time great Hollywood exposés, and, of course, On the Waterfront. Um, this is a much pulpier film, obviously, um, and it's directed by Nicholas Ray, who, of course, did Rebel Without a Cause, and uh, you know, it's got a great cast. I mean, Burl Ives, Christopher Plummer, uh, Gypsy Rose Lee... I mean, it's just, you know, it's a, and it's kind of a B-movie, but it's really, really fun because it takes place in the Everglades, and it's just a, it's a great backdrop. And then lastly, What Every Woman Knows, um, a, uh, another great Helen Hayes performance. Just, uh, you know, she didn't make a lot of really memorable movies, but the ones that she made are uh, pretty extraordinary. And uh, in this one, it's, um, it, it's also based on a stage play from 1908, by J.M. Barry, who wrote, of course, Peter Pan. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a wonderful tour de force for her. A great performance, great drama, and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of really, it's, it's a political story. The story deals in politics, but it's really just a great chance for Helen Hayes to interact with uh, good actors and just chew the scenery and just show how amazing she always was, even as a young woman. Helen Hayes can't go wrong there. I have this neat one. This is a limited edition from Twilight uh, Time uh, at Close Reigns. Uh, yeah. So this is pretty neat. The, 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 both the Penn brothers are in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken plays the yeah. father, sort of draws uh, Sean Penn, who plays his son, into a whole sort of series of sort of dastardly. It's yeah. one of those crime family kind of things directed yeah. by 
directed by James Foley, uh, in, uh, written by the story by, by, uh, by, by Kazan. This is interesting. Foley, Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross, I mean, he had a really, really interesting career there for a while. Fear, yeah. uh, The Perfect Stranger, a really interesting career. Which kind of you know I don't know kind of well, sideways a little. He's a television guy now. You can, but, you know. but he's got a, he just got a new feature. He has he a just, new feature. He's up? got a new feature coming out. What did I just read the other day? He just landed a really really big gig. Why well, he's doing franchise. he's doing the next he's doing the next Fifty Shades movie. That's I think. what it is. That's yeah. what it is. He's doing the sequel to Fifty Shades. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it does a lot of way which with times, which but, yeah. he's gonna, he's going to shoot it. You see what his 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 very very first film. His very first film, Reckless, with, with, Reckless, with Daryl Hannah and Aidan Quinn. Yeah, yeah, I remember the okay. adaptation. Yeah. So he made that right out of USC film school. I was an usher at the Man's National, now now destroyed theater. Mm, yeah, uh, it's gone. Yeah, I was an usher there when that premiered, and I remember very well him showing up, nervous, like you cannot imagine, as to how people were going to were going to receive it. And it was the strangest because he came several times, and I, you know, he and I started having chats because, I, you know, I was shameless that way. It, it, <laughs> honestly, I would I would hit up any I would chat up anybody there. Everybody else, we were always told, don't talk to people. I chatted up everybody except for Jeffrey Katzenberg, who intimidated the hell out of me. <laughs> he was a Paramount executive at the time, but I chatted up everybody. I and you know, Joe Dante. I even said this way, Mr. Dante, Mr. Dante. My mother doesn't even recognize me. It was a very funny <laughs> moment. But but the but James Foley, I had the. Funniest conversations with him. He was so insecure about how that film was going to be received, and 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 you know, I, what am I? I'm like 19 at the time. I'm 18, 19, and I, and I was like, oh no, they really do. They really like it, Mr. Foley. I'm like stroking the poor guy. <laughs> His ego. It was very strange. Well, you know, he makes that movie a couple of years later, uh, also with Sean Penn and Madonna. He makes uh, Who's That Girl? I think oh, Who's dear. That Girl? He's yeah. you know, a little. Left. But Glenn Glary, interesting. Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross is terrific. Interesting run yeah. altogether there. Uh, and then and then I have uh, Susan Haywood and I Want to Live, uh, directed by Robert Wise, the great. Robert Wise. This was always a very intense film for me. This was a film that my mother, for some reason, had great affection for. Yeah. Uh, and so I grew to have affection for it, too, as this woman sort of trapped in this man's world. And he's, so she's this prostitute, and she sort of like, gets accused of a murder. And, and, you know, she makes that declaration at the end of the movie, I want to live. You know, you, know, you got to love it. Besides that, Susan Haywood was hot. Got to love it. So, yeah, there you go. And then uh, the last three on our list of classics, and then we will uh, knock out a few things from television here. Uh, Tony Anthony, this is a Blue Underground title. Tony Anthony uh, in Get Mean. Now, you're probably thinking, I don't know who Tony Anthony is, and you probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> really, I mean, he's the, he's the name above the title here, but uh, unless you're a real B-movie person, he's going to mean absolutely nothing to you. Uh, but Tony Anthony produced and starred in a lot of junk back in the day. Middle 70s. Middle 70s, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, and, and he, he, I don't, I don't want to say he's sort of like a, like, uh, you know, a, um, a, a Tom uh, Laughlin uh, kind of guy, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, Billy Jackie kind of, yeah. But he was he, he was kind of a Tom Laughlin-y guy. Uh, anyway, this is uh, this is just a silly. Yeah, movie. These are like Italian films, right? I mean, these are is yeah. it, is it sort of like stretching yeah. out of that sort of yeah. Fernando Baldi directed it, and uh, it's yeah. I mean, it's kind, kind of, of like a, those Django's and all that stuff. It's kind yeah. of spaghetti westerny. I mean, it's it's basically it's a gypsy western. It's just ridiculous. Uh, you know, he's he's a cowboy and who comes to, upon a gypsy, 
I don't know. It, it, it winds up being kind of this dumb gypsy western fairy tale. It's a very silly. What film. people should do is go look this one up on look, the internet and just see the, and Tim, see the poster art. That's see, it. See the DVD box cover art. It's it, just it is, awesome. It is. It is essentially. Yeah. Let me see if I can describe this. It is. Uh, <laughs> it is Tony and. Well, here I'll, I'll just read. I'll read the promotional tagline. Yeah, that's what it is. Here's the promotional tagline for this two disc special edition on Blu-ray from Blue Underground of Get Mean. This will tell you everything. Hung by his heels, barbecued, shot with a cannon. <laughs> now it's his turn to get mean. Okay? Is you that know? what it takes, Tony? That's what it Fantastic. is. Hung by his heels, barbecued, shot with a cannon. Now it's his turn to get mean. And then, of course, he's holding like a four-barrel shotgun. A four-barrel shotgun. Which, which, which is, you know, in per, it's a perspective shot. It's like yeah. nine times the size all, of the actor. All, all you can ridiculous. see is the barrels. It's it's very funny. I love it. Uh, Heart of Midnight is a 1989 film that uh, completely went uh, underneath my radar. Uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh uh, uh, stars as well. How do you how do you even put this? It's kind of noirish. It's a sort of a lowbrow thriller, but um, you know Jennifer Jason Leigh makes it uh, makes it feel, I guess. Okay, she's a, Brenda Vaccaro is. She's in a this woman. Movie. She's inherited a, a nightclub, and uh, you know she's unstable, and she's the last person you actually want inheriting a nightclub. And uh, but you know she thinks maybe this will uh, turn me around. Maybe this will fix what's wrong with me. And of course, naturally, it doesn't. You know, and, you, you Matthew know. Chapman, the guy that directed this film, wrote The Color of Night. Do you remember that oh, movie that yes, almost did, did away with Bruce Willis's career? Yeah, he wrote that. That movie Good. almost did away with a lot of people's a lot of people's careers. Well, this was written and directed by Matthew Chapman. Yeah, that's yeah, him. Yeah. That's Runaway it. Jury too. It's like a Demi Moore movie wow. from like the from like the, I don't know whatever. Well, poor Peter Coyote. He always gets the worst of things in here, and he kind of gets the worst of it here. But uh, you know, anyway, yep. So that's uh, that is Heart of Midnight with Jennifer Jason Leigh, and then the last one. Uh, this is just precious. You've got to get this. This is absolutely wonderful. Um, Flicker Alley is doing such a phenomenal job of, uh, of enriching the, uh, the, the, lo- the catalog of available Blu-ray titles with really classic films. Uh, and they have brought out a newly discovered and restored Blu-ray DVD combo edition of 1916 Silent Sherlock Holmes. Uh, absolutely brilliant and superb. William Gillette plays Sherlock Holmes and, uh, you know... Silent Sherlock Holmes somehow has it somehow captures Sherlock Holmes in a in a in a in a more pure way because it's closer to Conan Doyle. You yeah. know what I mean? It's closer to him. It's closer to his era. It's sort of closer to the zeitgeist that produced uh, Sherlock Holmes. And there's something something about uh, the way that uh, that uh, William Gillette plays this that just feels vibrant. It just feels like he's not imitating other Sherlock Holmes. He's really interpreting the book. Well, as best Gillette he can. Gillette would be a figure who, born in like the 1850s, he died yeah. in the late 30s. Yeah. So he literally existed across that sort of Victorian age. Yeah. It was so it was actually sort of uh, in, you know it, that was him. Well, he he played Sherlock Holmes on stage. This is the thing. Yeah. He originally played Sherlock Holmes on stage uh, th- over over thirteen hundred times, uh, beginning in eighteen ninety nine. And so he was the natural guy to play him in a movie. So he 
he even though it's a silent film, he's he brings a, a certain he, he brings an understanding. Whatever he's not saying, he's mm. able to convey because mm. he's thinking it in his head. You yeah. know, there's something really amazing about the performance. Tons of of uh, beautiful uh, extras here, uh, including from Lost to Found, restoring William Jeanette Sherlock Holmes, which is uh, this thing that was shown at the 2015 San Francisco Silent Film Festival. And then uh, Sherlock Holmes Baffled, which is a 1900 film that uh, is, sits now in the Library of Congress. It is the earliest known Sherlock Holmes film. And uh, a bunch of others, uh, a canine Sherlock from 1912, which is, which is cute, uh, star, you know, starring a dog as a Sherlock Holmes thing. And Interesting that, those film, that that film in particular sits in the Library of Congress as yeah. opposed to in some British film. Preservation. Well, it's an American film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, I, I, but, but you, 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 you would have thought. You might think, yeah. Yeah, yeah you yeah. would have thought. Anyway, so this was restored uh, just recently by the San Francisco Silent Film Festival and the French Cinematheque, and Flickr Alley has given us an amazing gift with William Gillette in 1916's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Tim, let's wrap out just a, a few television titles. Yeah, I'd love to talk about TV. We got uh, just a, a few here. I, well, one of the, one of the ones that that I'm glad you gave me to chat about a little bit. This goes back to to my. my oh, you love that kitschy I, stuff. Oh, the kitschy stuff, dude. Uh, when I when I was watching this stuff in the early '80s, I'm looking at Manimal here. The very title of the show, Manimal, uh, which tells you exactly what's going on. I remember watching the show every week. I think it only aired for probably I don't know less than a season, less than a full season uh, for sure. Simon McCorkendale. As a man uh, who had gone around the world studying all sorts of things and developed when he was in Africa this ability to change him in, himself into any number of animals. I remember the opening credits for the show. He, he would become a lion and a hawk and a panther. So funny. It was just the funniest thing in the world. Really, really, really neat stuff in a particular sort of way. Glenn uh, Ternan is in this series, um, uh, you, which you can knock out all eight episodes. That's what it was exactly, eight episodes. So you can go through it. You can binge watch this thing and about, uh, you know, while you're, while you're going to lunch, you can watch Manimal there. The other one, of course, was Auto Man from that same sort of early 80s period uh, about a man who could transform himself into a car. Now, this is, this is, this is before Kit and Knight yeah. Rider and the car was one. No, no, he was his own Knight Rider. He was <laughs> the car that he would transform himself into. This stuff was so much fun and perfectly uh, ludicrous. 13 original episodes is all they, d- they did. 13 is all you need. Nevertheless, it's a whole lot of fun. All of that stuff is on here along with um, a little bit of interesting uh, material, some galleries and things like that. So Auto Man and Manimal. Knock yourself out with some classic early 80s television. What the hell was going on, Wade? You were here. I didn't get here until the late I, you 80s. Know, I, I, don't, I don't know. What, what was, was up with that? I don't know. It, uh, you know. Who knows? What's it, interesting is that most of the people, other than some of the supporting actors, most of the leads in those shows disappeared from uh, the planet. <laughs> they did. They, they are did. gone holding They sure did. Yeah, they did. You know... Uh, I, I remember when Rex Smith was host of Solid Gold, and I actually went and saw, I was in the studio audience a couple of times for Solid Gold, 
which was interesting. And uh, you know, Rex Smith, uh, you know, he was a recording star, and then yeah. he and then he wound up on one of those shows. It was the yeah. Night Rider when the motorcycle. What was that called? I forget what it was. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking. Yeah. yeah, it was basically Night Rider on a motorcycle, and that show got canceled. And Rex <laughs> Smith was never cast in anything again. Never recorded another album. Never showed up on another TV show. Never showed up in a movie. It's like someone locked him in a dungeon and just said, "Never come back." Thank you, Rex. Anyway, that'll be all, sir. Uh, Batman, the uh, complete third season. They are now, of course, re- you know, this was released as a complete box set last year, but uh, we have the, uh, we're getting individual season sets now, and this is the complete third season, which is uh, wonderful. Cause it's got Batgirl, and, I, and Yvonne Craig recently passed away, yeah. and I'm so sad. Yeah, yeah. I am so sad. They just keep, they're, they're all going now, and, you know, it just, it makes me, it breaks my heart. Maybe I, yeah. I'm just, I'm waiting for that day when, when, you know, Barbara Feldon and uh, oh, d- d- don't you don't 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 even start. Barbara me. Eden, they're gonna go. The two Barbaras, yeah. my favorite Barbaras. I might go with them. I, I probably will too. Grab me. Yeah. When they start going, <laughs> just gra- grab grab an ankle with one hand and grab me with the other, and we'll we'll all go. Uh, but yeah, you know, of course, the usual and, and a lot of great guest stars in this uh, in this season. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Vincent Price playing Egghead and. Uh, you get you know uh, Victor Bono playing King Tut, and it's 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 great. It's a lot of fun. And then uh, B. Arthur Maud, the complete Maude. third season. Still People a great forget show. what a groundbreaking series that was—a feminist yep. series, yep. Uh, very another, sophisticated. Another All in the Family spinoff. Another it, All in the Family. That spin-off. show and almost every sp- of the original spinoffs. I mean, you know, the Jeffersons and Maud. Those all those original spinoffs were all groundbreaking shows. By the time you get down to you know Gloria and Archie Bunker's place, it's yeah. pretty much run the wells yeah. run dry. But yeah, these original. They, they were they were good. very topical. You can watch them today. B. The, Arthur, of course, yeah, uh, in, in that show, and the fantastic Adrian Barbeau. And then uh, WKRP in Cincinnati also now releasing its individual season sets. Uh, this was a, a complete season, a complete series set last year, and uh, now we're getting them individual season sets as well. The complete final season is now out, and it is you know arguably the. I mean, this show should have run a lot longer, but the the final season uh, is a little bit weaker than the others, but still uh, unbelievably funny. The show, I just, I'm so sorry this show ever got canceled. Well, you, you, there was some uh, Gary Sandy, the great Tim Reed, Gordon Jump, Lonnie Anderson. I don't know about you, Howard Hessman. Howard Hessman. Uh, you know, look, I, I I was a Bailey. I was I was nuts about yeah. Bailey. We get Lonnie Anderson on the show too. Yeah, hey, I deeply deeply appreciated the sophisticated humor. Yeah, that is in that television show. The, the, you know, there is a there is a moment. Um, w- there's an episode where, and it's not the it's, it's not, not the one when he throws the turkeys out I, of the. No, you know, oh, that's just priceless. No, there's one. There's one. It, it, I, I love the the envelope, the edges that they were willing to push, the places they were willing to go. There was one where where Les Nessman, I think it was when they have a blackout. I think it's the blackout episode, and Les Nessman looks at Venus, and in the most sincere way possible, <laughs> he says, "Well, you must know what to do." And Venus looks at him and thinks, "Okay, what? Do you, <laughs> what, what, what? You're not <laughs> you're not saying what I think you're saying. Like, what do you mean?" He goes, "You know, some kind of some kind of plantation voodoo thing," and and Venus goes. Say what? <laughs> and it is it is just so priceless and, and you just think, did they really go there? And it it's was like, just yes. 
so because those guys exist. Those guys and they exist. work at radio nineteen nineteen you know eighty whatever. And they work at radio stations. It's fantastic and stuff. It's just, fantastic it's stuff. Uh, season one of Better Call Saul. Yeah. Uh, Vince Gilligan, of course. Yeah. Uh, a spinoff from uh, uh, the uh, uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I have to be honest with you. Started watching Better Call Saul. Appreciated one, two, three episodes, and yeah. for whatever reason, just fell off and never did finish it. Yeah. So this will be interesting for me to yeah. sort of, uh, check out the rest of that Blu-ray here. All kinds of stuff, deleted scenes, uh, a lot of uh, uh, behind-the-scenes conversations uh, with Bob Odenkirk and, and, and Michael McKeon and other folks. So you know, good stuff. Better call Saul. And then the last two, uh, Bates Motel, season three. You know, uh, a lot of people, I, it's funny, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, what happened, what happened to Vera Farmiga? Yeah, there it's she like, is. Well, she's on Bates Motel. She's playing. Which you know, a lot of Nor- people swear by. A lot of the, they it's love a, it's show. a good show. Yeah. It is a shockingly good show for something that felt like they're just exploiting Psycho for the you know, sake of exploiting it. But it is a shockingly good show, and she is great on it. And. Uh, you know, yeah, she'll do features again. She's yeah. a great feature actress. There's that, that, that stigma doesn't exist anymore where you cannot go from movies to television and back again. Yeah. No, you can go back and forth, and she's great on this show. It is a, it is a terrific show, and this is season three, uh, which is a lot of, you know, ten episodes, and uh, it, is, it is really very, very sharp. A lot of very interesting stuff here uh, that, you know, of course, wraps around and has, you know, a, a referential to Psycho and whatnot. And then, Tim, do you remember this, The Great American Dream Machine? Does this ring I, a bell? I, I do sort of remember Man, that. I remember those graphics for sure. It, it, this this had just completely drifted into the back of my back of my mind um, because obviously I was you know uh, an, in, practically an infant at the time. But this was a public television show in the early 1970s that was essentially a it was like the original Saturday Night Live, and it it was this amazingly cool satirical television sketch comedy kind of uh, Chevy Chase it was amazing Ken Shapiro uh, I mean great you know really amazing great guests and uh, kind of a it, it was sort of revolutionary at the time it paved the way for obviously Saturday Night Live for you know uh, SCTV for uh, boys in the uh, kids in the hall mm-hmm. I mean all those kinds of shows Fridays we can go on and on and on. All these shows that sort of follow that format, this was this was the one that, that said you could do this. You can do this on television. It'll work. I don't give Laugh-In any credit for that. A lot of people might say, well, Laugh-In is the beginning of that. Not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree. I almost put Laugh-In closer to... Variety show. Variety show, yeah. right? You know, yeah. the variety shows of the 60s, the Judy Garland show and, you know, the, the, all the rest of those. I don't, I don't put that... This is, the, this is the closest thing to that. And uh, you even get, you know, like um, uh, you have this famous sketch, Albert Brooks' famous school for comedians. Well, Albert Brooks would go on to do stuff for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So there's well, a do- Chevy Chase, well, well, first they did that, the National Lampoon Radio, a lot of those people. So it was like that, it was yeah. like this, then that, then SNL. You see these people moving in lockstep across Charles, the side guys. Charles Grodin, Albert Brooks, Chevy Chase, Martin Mull. Uh, Henry Winkler, uh, it, it's all the greats of sort of Canadian um, in New York and great. Chicago, so, it is, so all of that. Yeah, it, this is this is legendary television that uh, you know it comes to us from S'more, and uh, thank goodness they have. Re- this is just uh, you know there's so much great television out there. It's kind of fallen between the cracks, and man, this is really quite a discovery. So bravo, I applaud them. This is wonderful. Uh, this is you know this is Penny Marshall. This is where Penny Marshall came from. This sort of you know established her. 
So uh, this is great. This is a four-DVD set of uh, The Great American Dream Machine. Really just classic television, wonderful comedy. Uh, you will not be sorry that you exposed yourself to this. This is really, really wonderful. Twelve hours of just sheer bliss. All right, Tim, thank you so much for these last two weeks sitting in for Mark. Keeping it warm. Nice right. and warm, Mark. It's all ready for you, baby. Come back. Sit down right here. Mark will be back next week. And in the meantime, send us show openings. We want more show openings. We want more listener mail. We want more uh, Vox boxes to gods at digigods.com. Please send it our way and uh, go to digigods.com for the full rundown of this week's show with hyperlinks to uh, where you can get all the episode, all the uh, all the titles that we talked about this week and uh, we will keep you in the loop as we're able to slowly get uh, Cine Gods launched. That should not be too long now. See you next week.